Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Before I get started this morning, let me just take a minute or two to, to do a little uh, church business with you. The 21st of January, 6.30 in the evening, I believe that's a Thursday night. I know it's a Thursday night. Uh, that is a really important night for our church. And uh, the Aspen group will be here uh, with us. Uh, our friend Tim, who is our uh, consultant, will be here. He's going to talk for just about 10 or 15 minutes. And then we are going to break up into groups. And we're going to send you to different parts of the building. And, and how this is going to work is if there's an area that you have a great passion for, uh, a ministry area, if you're involved in a ministry area, if you'd like to be involved in a ministry area, We'd really, really like for you to be here on that Thursday night because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how we do ministry in this building, how we dream about doing ministry uh, in the future, what we anticipate our needs will be, what we see now as our, our limitations or our restrictions or, you know, what is it that we do? What is it that we would like to do? What are our ideas? It, it's it's a... It's kind of a fact finder kind of night, but it's also a dream night as well. Um, so we want as many people here for that as we can. And, and typically when we go through these, when a church goes through a process where they're thinking about a building, could possibly be building a building in the future, um, one of the things that, that the feedback you get is the people don't feel like they had enough input. This is one of those nights where you're going to have a chance to talk about um, what happens in our future in terms of how we do ministry and and it's really really important that we get this right it's really important that we have as many people as many ideas as many um, opinions about how we're doing ministry now and how we plan to do ministry in the future as we can as we can get so um, please mark that date in your calendar that 6 30 uh, january 21st we would really like for you to be here for that um, I got to be honest with you, I've never done one of these nights, one of these things. I don't even really know what it's called. Um, I just know that it's important. Um, and I don't really know everything that's going to happen. I don't, I don't know um, exactly how Tim will break us up, and I don't know exactly how, what he's going to say. But I know this. I know that it's really important for us as we look forward that we have people here for that. Be praying for us. We had a great meeting with Tim and a, a guy from a company called Fishhook this week. And... Um, uh, his name was Evan, Evan McBroom, and man, did he, is he going to teach us a lot about how to um, go forward and, and um, how to, he's going to position us to help us win people to Jesus, which is really, that's all we care about around here. That's why we're doing all this stuff, is because we care about lost people and we want to win them to Christ. So please be praying for that evening. Please be planning to be here for that evening. It's going to be a, a, a big night for us, and we need your input. And can I just say, I don't even think he's in the room anymore. But it is okay to clap for Dave Lloyd when he plays stuff like that. Was that unbelievable? Unbelievable. When the role is called up yonder, synced up with somewhere over the rainbow. I don't know that I've ever heard that. That's, that's pretty cool. Turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. This is where we kind of hovered last week. We're going to stay there for a, another day and um, see what we can learn this week. Last week we decided or we learned that, that God can take something as, um, 
simple and as ordinary as a bush and that when he sets it on fire things start to happen that that an ordinary bush doesn't mean a whole lot to us but when god gets a hold of an ordinary bush and he lights it on fire then god is able to speak to us and he's able to make huge changes in our life to impact our life in a pretty major and substantial way Um, the ordinary circumstances relationships encounters and experiences that you and i have can be ignited by god in a way to speak to us very specifically that God can speak to you wherever you are, that you are never so far away from God that you cannot hear his voice. You may feel like you're on the uh, far side of the desert this morning and that there's no way God could speak to you. And I'm here to tell you this morning that's simply not the case. God can reach you wherever you are. He can speak to you. When God speaks, his voice reveals your purpose and it reassures us of his presence. That's where we're going today. When God speaks, it reveals your purpose and it reassures you that he is present. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 is where we want to start this morning. And it starts off with these three words, the Lord said. And before we would go any farther, wouldn't we all just stop and say, isn't that really what we want? We want to hear what the Lord said. I mean, that's, that's really, hopefully, why you got up and made your way through negative two degrees this morning was to hear what the Lord said. You, you care about what God says, I assume, or else you wouldn't be here. I mean, it matters to you what God says about, about you and says to you and, and wants you to do with your life. We want to hear the Lord speak. I, I want to hear the Lord speak. That's, that's what we're really in the business of. The Lord is about to speak to Moses, and when he does, nothing in Moses' life is ever going to be the same ever again. What we want to know this morning and the reason we've come out in this kind of weather and gathered together is what does God have to say? We've heard what everybody else thinks. We've heard the experts talk about the economy. We've heard the experts talk about politics. You've heard the experts on love, sex, and relationships. I mean, we know what the experts say about all that stuff. But what does God say? What does God want to say specifically to you? What does God say about success? What does God say about parenting, about marriage, about dating, about work? What does God have to say to you and to me about those kind of things? Because when he speaks, everything changes. I mean, things can be in place and things can be moving just fine, but when God speaks into the things that have been set in place, those things suddenly change for us. We may think we know something until God says hey you know what I want to give you a new perspective on that one of the things I do when I talk to people about coming to Jesus is I say look as you hang out with Jesus over time some of the things that you do are going to change not because I preach against them and make you feel guilty and say you've got to change that in order to please God that's not what we're about here this is what we believe we believe as you rub up against Jesus we believe as you get close to him and spend time with him as a friend that as you get consistently loved by him over time, he will change you. See, it's not my job to change you. It's not, it's not your job to change me. It's Jesus' job to change us. And as we believe, as we follow Jesus, and as we are consistently loved by him, over time, things will change. Because here's what happens. Things over time, as you spend time with Christ, won't be as important to you as they are today. Certain habits that you have or certain uh, things that you do maybe. Uh, out of habit as you spend time with Jesus you start looking at those things you say you know what I I just that's not as important to me as it used to be Jesus is more important uh, to me than that so 
When he speaks, everything changes. Verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out. The Israelites are in bondage. It's bad. It's, you know, they're, they're, they're slaves. It's hard work. They're mistreated. They're deprived of many of the simple freedoms that you and I uh, take for granted. And they're crying out. Here's what I know. I know as the pastor of this church that many of you are crying out. Some of you do that with me. And some of you don't. And you're probably doing it in your house or in your bedroom or in your prayer room or wherever where you cry out. But I know that that happens a lot. I got a call Monday from a good friend of mine and they were crying out. And it, it was a... Um, when the conversation started, lots of tears, lots of despair, lots of, of just crying out, God, help. And uh, there are times that uh, you get like that, you wonder if God hears you. You wonder if when you cry out like that, if God really hears your cry. You wonder if, if he's paying any attention at all. God, is this just, am I just, are you even there? Is this all real or am I just making it up? Do I go to church just for my health? I mean, what's going on? Because I'm crying out and I feel like when I do, it just bounces off the ceiling and comes back. This is what I would say. God is not deaf. He hears you when you call out to him. Maybe you've been praying for a child to come back to the faith and uh, it just feels like nobody's home when you talk to God. He just, he's, not, he's not helping you in that endeavor at all. Maybe your marriage, you're praying over your marriage and it's bad and the more you pray, the worse it gets. And you just think, man, why, why am I even doing that? Um, there's got to be something wrong with the way I'm doing this. And, and sometimes I think we just get really discouraged. Maybe you feel alone and isolated and you've prayed, but it just doesn't seem like there's any answer for the way you feel and it feels like God is almost ignoring you and ignoring the things that you have to say to him just because God didn't answer you doesn't mean he didn't hear you just because God doesn't respond doesn't mean that he hasn't heard he hears you when you cry out to him just because he hasn't responded doesn't mean he hasn't heard you if you're a parent you get this right you get this parents get this just because you don't respond to your child doesn't mean you didn't hear him just because they ask you the same question 20 times in the back seat of the minivan. Can we get Dairy Queen? Can we get Dairy Queen? Can we get Dairy Queen? Really like to have Dairy Queen. Could we get Dairy Queen? And you can say it louder, it doesn't mean that I haven't heard. Can we get Dairy Queen? And you can whine when you do it. It's not going to make me move any faster. It's not going to make me pull into Dairy Queen if we hadn't planned on being at Dairy Queen. And screaming and whining and pitching a fit does not move me to a place with my kids where I'm that much more apt to give in to what they want. In fact, sometimes the bigger fit they pitch, what happens? No way are we going to Dairy Queen. I heard you when you said it the first time. I didn't need it the 17th and 18th times, and I didn't need it at decibel, you know, 100. I, I got it. I heard you want to go to Dairy Queen. We're not going to Dairy Queen. It's not in the cards today. Oh, Dad, I wanted to go to Dairy Queen. 
And that's when you start saying things that you really want to take back, things that make you sound like your parents. Like, don't make me pull this car over. Here's the thing about God. He is a perfect father. Perfect father. I'm not a perfect father. <laughs> My kids are in the room, they're like, yeah, we, can, we know that. I'm not a perfect father. Because there's times as a father I'm lazy and they want something or they'll say something and I don't do it. Not because I didn't hear them, but because I'm just lazy and don't feel like doing it. Dad, can we go sledding? Sometimes I'm preoccupied. Sometimes I have other stuff on my mind. And, and, you know, I hear them, but I don't hear them. You ever been there where they're talking and you, you appease them by giving them the, well, we'll see, or yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And they're talking, and you, you're kind of halfway listening, but you're preoccupied with something else. Or you're just flat-out busy. You know, they're talking, and, and it, listen, we're adults, and we've got stuff in our life, and it requires our time and attention, and there's times that it just, it's hard to be making life happen, and there's so many things that, that you want to do for them. Sometimes you're doing something for them, and they're just, net, 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 you know, can we go to Dairy Queen? Can we go out and play in the snow? Can we, you know, want to go to bogeys? Can we? And it's like, man, would you just stop? Because I'm busy. I don't have time. Honey, I, listen, I love you. I care about you. But right now, Dad's busy. And I, I can't, I can't, I need you to stop asking me that. God's inaction is not the result of his preoccupation. And God's inaction is not the result of his busyness. Or, or the fact that he's, he, God's not lazy. It's not, when God doesn't respond to what you're pleading for, and in your mind, it's a perfectly legitimate thing. You're begging. God, please, I beg of you, please change this. And he doesn't do it. And we think, well, you know, he's just, you know, what's his, is he, is he I mean, is he busy? Is he preoccupied? Does he just not feel like doing it? I mean, what's going on with God? But he is all wise. And he knows things that you do not know and that I do not know. And he sees things that we can't see. And he sees how things knit together. He sees how one thing causes another thing to happen. And sometimes if I got everything I wanted, how many of you have seen the movie? This is not in my notes. I'm going way off script here, and I could get myself in trouble when I do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Have any of you seen the movie Bruce Almighty? Have you seen that movie? That's exactly what I'm talking about here. Because God basically in this movie gives, gives uh, this fellow Bruce, he gives him his job for a while. And so Bruce is the one responsible for answering prayers, and Bruce is the one, he gets to be God for a while. And Bruce gets lazy and doesn't want to answer the prayers, so he just says, well, I'll just say yes to all the prayers. And he about puts the state in debt because everybody's winning the lottery and you know i mean it's it's crazy everything starts working against uh, the fact that bruce gets lazy causes lots of problems god says i'm not lazy and i don't listen when you ask me something it, it goes against maybe something going on over here i'm i'm directing big traffic we got big things going on here and i know in your world this looks like a huge huge thing but i'm about a much bigger work and I've got a lot more going on, and I see a lot more than you do, and I know a lot more than you do. I'm wise. 
So if you've been crying out to God about a situation in your life, a, a, a spiritual need, an emotional deficiency, and God just has not responded the way you think he ought to have responded, be encouraged. Just because God has not responded to you does not mean that God has not heard you. He hears the faintest cry of his children. He is concerned about you. He cares for you. He is listening to you. He knows what you need before you ask it. But he's wise and he moves when he pleases and when it fits in with his will and his plan because he is God and he knows what is best for his children. He hears you when you call. Verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. God has already revealed his presence to Moses. He has reminded Moses of his promise to Abraham. And now he's about to speak to Moses directly about Moses' purpose. How many of you today maybe long for God to speak to you about your purpose? I talk to people all the time and they, you know, they just seem lost about what it is that they want God to do. It's like, you know, Brett, it's easy for you. You're a preacher. You know, you wake up in the morning. It's easy for you to know what your purpose is. I, I go to the grocery store every day and work and you know, people need to eat, that's great, but, you know, green bean on the shelf, green bean on the shelf. I mean, is there more than that? And you, you would love it if God would speak to you and give you your purpose, and you knew when you woke up what was going on. Hopefully, as you come to this church, you, you share the purpose that we all have. You, you walk under it every Sunday when you walk in the door. We've got it written over the door, bringing people to Jesus. That is your purpose. Ultimately, first and foremost, bring glory to God. But after that, how do we get somebody else to know who he is? And you say things like, God, I don't want to waste my time on this earth. I want to know what my purpose is. I want, I want to know that my purpose is being fulfilled. I want to know if what I'm doing matters. I, I want to know if, if what I'm doing really has consequences beyond just you know, the, the little bit that I see. I want to know if where I feel stuck and, and can't really, don't feel like I'm moving, if that's actually a place, God, where you're up to something in my life and you're making a difference. God is about to speak to Moses about his purpose, and I believe that God can do the same thing, will do the same thing with you and me. Verse 10. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God has spoken. Moses has heard. God heard the cries of the Israelites. Now he wants to know, Moses, do you, do you hear what I hear? Can you hear the people crying out? Do, do you hear the oppression? Do you hear the sadness, the, the, the mistreatment? Do you hear the pain? Do you, do you hear them crying out? Will you become concerned about what I'm concerned about? And see, this is really where our prayer life many times is where we encounter problems because we get aggravated because God isn't responding the way we think God needs to respond. But many, many times, and I've seen this in my own prayers, and that's why it's important that you listen to what you're praying. 
sometimes I think we pray and we don't really listen to what we're praying. We, we expect God to listen, but we're kind of checked out on what we're saying. It's probably more important than we listen, that we listen to what we're praying than that God listen. Because if we listen, when I listen sometimes to my prayers, my prayers are very selfish. And, and when I listen to, to myself, sometimes what I discover is I'm not concerned about the things that God is concerned about. It's interesting that many times when I pray, the things I'm concerned about have a whole lot more bearing on me than they have on the bearing, that have bearing on the things that God's interested in and concerned about. It's about my purpose and my priorities when it should be about his purposes and his priorities. And the question is, will you organize your life and will you organize your prayers and will you organize your existence around the priorities of what God wants? Last week I told you that learning how to hear from God was the most important thing uh, going, that, that that was more important than you learning what to say to God. More important than learning what to say is learning what to hear, learning how to hear him. In this particular encounter, as long as God is the one doing the talking, everything's fine. But in verse 11, <laughs> Moses starts to talk back to God, and it's kind of, it kind of goes south at that point. Look at verse 11. Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Understand this. When God speaks to you, and when God calls you to something, it's, it's always going to have, as a part of that calling, part of it is going to be a stretching of you. It's always going to look scary. It, it's always gonna, You're always going to... When God's a part of it and he's calling you... It's always going to look big. And it's going to look a little demanding, maybe a lot demanding. We go to a leadership conference every year called Leadership Summit. And uh, one of the guys we listen to, there's a, there's, they call, they, he talks about something called the BHAG. The BHAG. You ever heard of a BHAG? This church has some BHAGs. That's not a person that's old and, and yells a lot. That's not what a BHAG is. BHAG stands for Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. Some of the things that God calls us to as a church, they're BHAGs. They are huge. They're scary. They're, you wonder, how in the world could we ever do that? In fact, if, you're, if you want to know whether or not God is, is involved in something that you think you're being called to or you think you hear going on in your head, if you want to know whether or not God's involved, one of the questions you might ask is, Am I a little bit afraid? Is this, a, is this stretching me? Is this beyond me a little bit? Is this more maybe than I think I could uh, bite off and chew just on my own? And if the answer is, yeah, I think it's bigger, then probably God's in it. Because God, whenever he calls, it's always something that you think, man, I, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. Here's Moses. He's out leading sheep on the far side of the desert. And now God is calling him to deliver a nation out from under one of the most powerful men in the world. And he's a shepherd. He probably doesn't have a real high opinion of himself. If God speaks to you, as I got ready to say this this week, I thought about just in my own life the times when God has 
kind of spoken to me about different things that, that he wanted me to do. And these next lines that I'm going to say to you are really, from personal experience, I can say that this is really true in my own life. If God speaks to you about something that he wants you to do, and it doesn't scare you to death, it's probably not God. I remember when I was going to try to be the preacher at this church, and my mom had been saying, Brett, when is God, when are you going to preach? I'd say, Mom, I don't think God's calling me to preach. And her response was always the same. Her response was, well, when God wants you, he'll call you. Well, I, I believe that, but Mom, I don't believe God's going to call me to preach. And then one day, he did. And, you know, the problem with preaching is Sundays come with great regularity. <laughs> they, you know, they, there's no breaks on the week. You can't say, well, I'm not ready yet. You got to, let's put another day in there so I can have another day. It just doesn't work that way. And, and there's an awful lot to being a pastor that I'm not real good at, and, and anybody that knows me real well can tell you that. And so the idea that I was going to try and do this, I mean, it was a BHAG. That's a big, hairy, audacious goal. God's got to be in it to be calling me to that. Because if it's not the voice of God I'm hearing in that whole exchange, I, don't, I want no part of this whole thing. I was so scared to death, and still, there's still parts of this that I, I'm horrible at, and, and I'm, I, it scares me to try to do some of the things that, that I think God wants me to do. And there, the conversation is, God, you know, I mean, can't you get somebody else to do that? God will always call you beyond what you think you are capable of doing on your own. He will always call you beyond that. And if what you're being called to, if you're hearing something, you think, well, that's easy. I can do that. Well, God's probably not involved in that. See, here's what happens to us as, as a church, and this really is not a sermon on, on our future and about vision or anything like that, but I'll just say this. As we, this since I've been preaching here, and, and had anything to do with leadership here, here's been the attitude. We're not interested in doing anything around here that we could do by ourselves. I mean, if, if we look at it and go, yeah, we could do that, then you know what? God is going to be perfectly content to take his hands off of it and say, well, then you go right ahead and you try and do that. But when we get called to certain things and we think, man, how in the world is that ever going to happen? How in the world would we ever do that? God's like, that's cool. Because now, see, when you can't do it on your own, you've got to lean into me. And when you lean into me, and, and it does happen, and I make it happen, and you're looking over your shoulder one day, and you go, man, how in the world did that happen? must have been God, because we're not that good. God's like, now we're getting somewhere. God's voice always stretches you. There's always a discrepancy between the way you see yourself and the way God sees you. There's always a difference in the way I see me and the way God sees me. The, when I started preaching, the way I saw me, I did not see me as someone who could do this. But God had a different plan than that. I um, have, a, my oldest son is Bennett. He's the one that plays the guitar up here. And uh, it's been just a joy in my life to watch that kid learn how to play this guitar and get better and better and better. 
And so he get, is getting ready to graduate from college, and it's very clear if you know him at all, you just have to talk to him a little bit to understand his love and passion for music. He loves music. That's all he thinks about and talks about. And so as we started to think about his future, he started to think about music as a part of his future. And so how to, you know, where to go and what to, what to do. And so we're thinking about college, and we found a college that we wanted to send him to, but it's out of state. It's expensive. It's very expensive. And, and you know, his mom and I were trying to figure out how we were going to help him afford some of this and get him there and pay for some of it. We had to have some conversations about, look, buddy, it's really important that you go there and you make good grades and that you knuckle down and, and I mean, this, isn't, this can't be a grand experiment. You know, if you've ever sent kids to college, you know exactly the speech we're talking about, right? This can't be, we can't afford this to be a grand experiment. We need you to go, lock in, really knuckle down and figure out how to do all your class stuff and, and excel at being a good student. And as we were having that conversation, I said, Bennett, my job as a dad is to give you wings. That's my job, to, to, to support you, to help you dream big dreams and to, to have vision for your life and think about what it is you want. And, and, I, and I finally looked at him and I said, buddy, it's really important that you understand I believe in you. I believe in you. And he looked back at me. And he said, Dad, you know, there's a lot of times that I think that you believe in me more than I believe in myself. Listen, that is what God says to every one of us. I believe in you. I think, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I have conversations with adults and I say the same thing over and over. God is crazy about you. He thinks that you are awesome. The title of the sermon today is God Thinks You Rock. God Thinks You Rock. And, and, and most adults don't believe that about themselves. Most adults look at themselves in view of God the way Bennett looked at me and said, Dad, I think you believe in me more than I believe in me. I, there's a preacher named Stephen Furtick. And he was talking about how he, he tries to cast vision for his little kids. He's got a, he had a three-year-old son. And he said, so I'm constantly saying things to him to pump him up and help him to see that I think he's great. And I want him to have a great self-image. And so he said, I'm, I'm saying, you know, buddy, you, you, you're awesome. You are, you are going to be a great man of God. God is going to use you in a mighty way. You are incredible. And he said, finally, one day I was doing that, saying all that stuff to him as well as tucking him in. He said, buddy, I think you are awesome. You are awesome. And he said, my son sat up in his bed and he said, I am awesome. <laughs> now, you, you hear that and you think, well, I mean, we all want our kids to know that we think they're awesome, but we don't want them going around saying that they're awesome, right? <clears throat> That's not the cool part. You, it's like, no, let's have a little humility about us. But what was that kid doing? He was simply agreeing with what his father thought about him. And what we don't do much of the time is agree with what our father says about us. He thinks we're awesome. You know, you've heard the expression, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He thinks you rock.
What if every Christian learned to agree with what the father thinks about him or her? So if he calls you righteous, you are righteous. If he calls you holy, that's what you are. If he calls you blameless and without sin because of the righteousness of Christ, that's what you are. If he calls you pure, that's what you are. If he calls you loved, that's what you are. And yet we look at ourselves and we say, well, you've got to be talking about somebody else because you can't be talking about me. If he calls you, he will make you capable. Somehow, some way. At the end of a lot of our prayers and, and staff meeting, one of the things that I pray often at the end of our, our staff meeting prayers is, God, please make us <clears throat> better than we are. Please make us better than we are. Because on our own, we're not good enough to do these jobs. But Father, we do this because you've called us to do it, so please make us better than we are. As the process of hearing from God begins, it's really important that you agree with what your Father says about you because you are who he says you are. You are not what you think you are. You are who he says you are. Big distinction. Say this out loud with me. Just repeat this with me. I am who my father says I am. You need to say that to yourself this week. You need to remind yourself this week. I am who my father says I am. And when God speaks to you about who you are, don't you dare disagree with him. Don't dare disagree with what your Heavenly Father says about you and who you are. He thinks you rock. Moses, if he tells you that you are going to deliver a nation from the most powerful man on the planet, if he tells you that you are going to lead 1.5 million people across the desert, that's who you are and that's what you're going to do. Because you are who he says you are. Moses, as God would say to Moses, Moses, I know what you are. I know you're a murderer. I know you've got a speech impediment. I know you don't speak the best in the world. But I've called you. I've spoken to you. I've spoken to you on the far side of the desert. And when I speak, I mean when I say. When God speaks to you, his voice is a voice of authority. And now God speaks back to Moses after Moses has said, you know, are you sure you got the right? Verse 12, I will be with you. That is, isn't that truly? Isn't that the best of all promises? Wouldn't you take a hill if you knew God was with you? Is there anything really that you can think of that you wouldn't do if you knew that God was going to be with you as you did it? I mean, isn't that what we all want? We want to know that God is with us. If God, if God could speak to you directly today and was going to give you a major hard thing to do and then at the end of it said, now I want you to know I'm going to be with you as you do this. Is there anybody in the room that wouldn't do it? I mean, if I know God's with me, I'm going to do it. So, so Moses, from God's perspective, he looks at Moses and says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, uh-oh, Moses is going to speak again. 
You ever done this with your kids where you're talking, you're trying to make your point, they're talking back, and it's like, I really need you to hush right now, <clears throat> right? I really, you want to say to your kids, we don't, we don't like to say shut up, but that's what we want to say, right? I need you to shut up right now because you're talking and I'm trying to get you to understand what I'm saying. Now, that's kind of what Moses is doing because when our kids do that to us, it's annoying. It annoys us, but somehow we miss it when we're doing that with God. God's saying, you're awesome. You're going, God, are you sure you got the right guy? No, you're awesome. Trust me, I love you. You're great. You're gonna do wonderful things. Oh God, I don't know. I'm not really all that good. And I think God just wants to say, would you just shut up and listen to me? Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? You ever done that? You ever felt like God was calling you to something or putting some impression on you and you really felt like it was something you should do? And, and you start to have imaginary conversations with other people that you know, and in those imaginary conversations, they begin to talk you out of what God is calling you to? Where you say, you know, well, what was so-and-so think if I do that? I mean, if I go on this mission trip, what is, what is my boss going to think if I go in and tell him I'm going to, you know, the inner city of Chicago to do a mission trip? What is he going to think about me? I probably shouldn't do that because he's going to think I'm some kind of weird Bible thumper, and I don't want to look like that to my coworkers. And No, if God, listen, if God's calling you on the mission trip to Chicago, my suggestion is you better go. Don't let anybody talk you out of what God is calling you into. You ever pull up next to somebody or maybe you're behind them at a traffic light and you can see into their car and they're playing the air drums or they're beating on the steering wheel? Their head's bobbing and they're dancing. I really like the ones when I can tell that they're dancing in their seat. That's a lot of fun for me. I like those. There's a, I, I think it's, it's a, I think it's a, it's a State Farm commercial where the guy's is uh, in his car and he's playing the drums and he's singing the, the Kansas song, uh, Point of No Return. He's singing How Long, you know, How Long. He's pointing at the windshield, you know. I love that commercial because, hey, I like that song a lot. But, and I've probably been known to play the air drums to that song in my car, so I can kind of relate. Could have been that guy. But, have you ever pulled up beside somebody or behind them and you see that going on and you think, man, they look kind of silly? Has that ever been you? And you, you don't even realize it, but you, you've kind of gotten carried away and you look over and you see somebody looking at you like, what in the world is wrong with you? You know what the problem is there? You know why it's silly when you see somebody else, but they're, they're oblivious to it and they're just off in their own world doing their own thing, you know what's going on there? You can't hear their music. And half the time, if you could hear what they're hearing, you would move the way they're moving. And that's what's going on. A lot of times with the people around us, when God says something to you, it's to you. And a lot of the people that you're in their circle they can't hear what God's saying to you. Only you hear what God's saying to you. So when you say, I'm going to do that, God, and then you start having these conversations with people, why are you going to do that? Well, because I think God's calling me to. Well, I wouldn't do that if I was you. You've you got to lock in the same way that you, you would if the music was playing and you were the only one that could hear it. 
Because when you hear the music, you move. And if they could hear what you hear, they would move the way you move. But they're not hearing what you hear. Moses is looking at a burning bush. He knows that he has to take this this private encounter that he's had with God, and he's got to go public with this private encounter. And he has to convince an entire nation that God lit a bush on fire, that he talked to me, and that I'm supposed to lead all y'all out of Egypt and away from Pharaoh. Even though Pharaoh hadn't said anything about letting us go. But when God speaks to you, you've got to do it no matter how crazy you think it is. Honor God when he speaks. And don't listen to those who tell you you're crazy because they aren't hearing what you hear. Some of you are here this morning and you've got really difficult decisions to make. And you are doing that. You're having imaginary conversations with people that are in your world and you're thinking, man, if I tell them what I'm thinking, if I do what I think God's calling me to do, and I have try to explain that to my best friend, they are not going to understand this. And they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I've lost my mind. Sometimes you feel like a shepherd leading sheep, and you feel like you're on the far side of the desert. There's no way God could speak to me there. And God is calling you to different things, and it's getting difficult to believe in what God has said about you. God, you've got to be kidding. I can't do that. You certainly don't mean me. you got the wrong guy. God, come on. When God speaks to you, he never breaks his promises. And when God speaks to you, he means what he says. When Moses asked God, what name should I give the Israelites? I mean, who should I say sent me? What, you know, what do you want me to tell them? Because they're going to ask me where this come from, and I've got to give them a name. And verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. If you've ever heard the word Yahweh, that's what that is. I am who I am. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Of all the names that God could have chosen to give to Moses, he chose the name I am. Present tense. Not I was. Not I will be. Present tense, I am. One of the things that will mark heaven is the complete lack of time. When you talk about being I am, you're talking about being in the moment in the moment is a form of eternity one of the things that will mark heaven is that we won't talk about what will be or what has been it's going to be stream of consciousness kind of you know in the moment all the time i like i am because it's an open-ended name i am fill in the blank i am whatever you need moses as you lead these guys out of the will out of the the land of Egypt and across the wilderness if you need water I am water if you need food I am food if you need protection I am protection whatever you need I am and so Moses don't be afraid understand that I've called you I'm going to take care of it I am everything that you need now I want to close by just saying this I had a professor in Bible college Bob Martin and Bob spoke kind of funny he talked like this Bob Martin he was just 
one of the most spiritual men I've ever been around. He used to walk around campus every night around this big circle we had. And, and all of the students knew that when Bob walked, he prayed. And we were really hoping he would just mention us. Very spiritual, godly man. And at, at the end of his, I had him for classes like the Life of Christ and um, the Harmony of the Gospels and um, just some history of Christian thought, great classes. And at the end of those classes, he would, he would pray and, and many times his prayer would end like this. And I use this in counseling a lot with people. He would always say, and Father, we pray these things in you and in Christ who is alone our sufficiency. Man, that is deep. And so here's the question this morning. Is Christ alone your sufficiency? If everything else got stripped away, could you anchor to Jesus and say, it's all I need? It's all I need. Listen, the key to happiness in life for us, and, and believe me, this is way easier for me to say than this is to do, but the key to happiness in life for us is to be able to say, Christ alone is my sufficiency. He's most important. Everything else can fade. If I have Jesus, I have everything I need because he is, I am. If you're lonely, he's your friend. If you're broke, he's your money. If you're hungry, he's your food. I am calls you and calls me. Question is, are we listening? Do we believe about ourselves what he believes about us? Because he believes we rock. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks this morning and we ask you to help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Uh, we beat ourselves up. We know how sinful we are, how fallen. We know how we struggle. We know, uh, Lord, it's a good thing other people can't read our minds sometimes. And then someone like me gets up here and tells everybody that you think we rock. And Lord, you do, you do. You have to, otherwise you wouldn't have sent Jesus to die for us. And so, Lord, we are humbled by that as we think about the fact that, that you left glory to die on a cross for us. And so, Lord, today we want to put our, hands, uh, put our hands in the hands of the great I Am. We want to put our fate and our life in the hands of I Am. We want to hear you when you call, and we want to believe about us what you believe about us. We can't do that apart from you, God, and we can't do it without you. We love you. Father, when you call us, it's going to be scary. Help us to take the steps in your direction, to not listen to the things going on around us. Help us, Father, to hear your voice and to respond, even on the far side of the desert. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.